Okay, so we'll go to the number six pick. It was originally the Suns that had this. They traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. This seemed like a, a bit of a reach, possibly. Jarrett Culver at number six. Was he projected to go there before the draft? Once again, I think this is a product of this draft. Mm. Other drafts, he may be in the teens, late lottery. Mm-hmm. But what you got in this draft is a top-heavy draft, and then it's kind of team preference after that. It's not necessarily taking the best guy available. It's what the team feels like they need, as far as what I see. Atlanta felt like they needed DeAndre Hunter. I feel like Jarrett Culver could have easily been in that slot. You're looking at the top wing guys behind Zion and RJ, and... I think it's totally debatable as to whether that was Hunter, Culver, Reddish, who we talked about earlier. Those guys are all in a little group there. And I think, depending on what team was picking at what time, it could have been any of the three. Obviously, Atlanta got two of the three. But Culver is also known for his defensive prowess. He improved his scoring this year and left. Texas Tech after his sophomore year. Had a great NCAA tournament. Took Texas Tech all the way to the national championship game where they played DeAndre Hunter and Virginia. And that was a very entertaining game. A defensive battle. And they are actually probably very similar players in the NBA. You're not going to get double-digit scoring out of this guy right off the bat. If he continues to develop, it's a possibility. But he's going to be looked at to be a lockdown defender early in his career. That's tough to do on the wing with these NBA guys, so he's going to be asked to do a lot early in his career. Now, they list him as a shooting guard. Do you think he's more of a wing, though? You could put him at the two. Uh, that's probably what his size says, but he could defend threes, I would say, as well. I believe he's 6'6". Okay. He's pretty well built. Okay, yeah, so you put either him or Wiggins at the two and three. They still have... Robert Covington, he he could play the four easily, and then obviously Towns at the five. Jeff Teague is under contract for one more year. Uh, $19 million, I mean, they're in a weird spot right now. They're, after uh, the whole Butler fiasco, it seemed like they were on the trajectory of, you know, coming a team that was going to make the playoffs every year, but... Butler screwed that up. <laughs> so now they're kind of retooling here, um, getting a little younger, building around towns. So mm, maybe they'll try and pick up a point guard in free agency since Teague's not in their future plans. It's actually rumored that they might want D'Angelo Russell, and that's why they traded Sarich to the Suns to uh, try and get off some salary. That would be an interesting fit, I, I feel like. D'Angelo Russell playing with all of them. I just have one more comment on Culver, too. Yeah. I would guess that he's not going to be a starter right off the bat. I know you would expect that at the number six pick, mm -hmm. but with how this draft is, I would expect him to be like a sixth man. I'm not saying by any means that he would take Wiggins' spot. Right, and also Josh Akoji was drafted uh, at number 20 last year. He... 
got a lot of playing time for them this year as a rookie. He actually played 74 games, started 52 of them, averaged 7.7 .7 points per game. So I'd imagine they're gonna they're gonna allow him to get the starting spot. So maybe Culver plays 20 minutes a night behind those two. Yeah, I think that's more likely this season. Mm -hmm. So. I know a lot of drafts you would like to get more out of the number six pick, but that's the reality of this situation, I believe. Yeah. So that's the Timberwolves. We'll move on to number seven. We got uh, the Chicago Bulls picking Kobe White. This guy seems like a character, but uh, all in good nature. Would it not surprise you if this is the point guard of the future for the Bulls? I think I mentioned to you the other night, I really like this pick. I really like the way this guy plays. Kobe White is fast. We've talked about De'Aaron Fox in past years. I believe we can compare his speed to John Wall's speed early in John Wall's career. This guy is on par with that. This guy can get up and down the floor, and he's 6'5". 6'8 with the hair, but <laughs> this guy was a lot of fun to watch at North Carolina. He had good players around him. But he ran the show as a freshman, and that's a rare thing for Roy Williams to hand off the keys to the car to a freshman point guard. He doesn't do that very often, so clearly he saw something in this Kobe White. At this point in his career, he's more of a scoring point guard. He's got to work on the distribution, but he's a good, solid defender. Tough to be at 6'5 and being a point guard, but he's able to defend smaller, quicker guards because of his speed and quickness. And I think this guy's going to make buckets early in his career. Chris Dunn is the Chicago point guard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was mainly their starting point guard last year. It doesn't seem like they're really high on him right now, though. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if they move him to the bench and start Kobe White. I think this really puts him on notice because Kobe White's going to be a very good NBA player. I don't know about an NBA All-Star. Maybe someday down the road, but he's going to be somebody that you can lean on for 15 points per game within his first three years, I would say. Mm -hmm. And Dunn didn't do terrible last year. I mean, he averaged 11 points per game, but he played 30 minutes. He's a little older. He's he's 25. Like That's old for the NBA, I guess. And Considering uh, this was only his second year in the league, that, that makes him kind of old. But it looks like he's probably going to end up going to the bench, being more of a six-man, um, which is too bad. I, I know he was a big part of the Jimmy Butler trade, but they also got Zach Levine in that Butler trade, and you know, he's looked pretty dynamite when he's playing offensively. Defensively, hey, I don't know about that. They got Otto Porter Jr., uh, from the Washington Wizards, they traded Bobby Portis over to the Wizards, and I, I think they're gonna they're gonna keep Porter Jr. for a little while, start him. So I'd say their starting lineup would probably be Kobe White, and then Levine at the two, Porter at the three, Laurie Marketin from a couple years ago has been playing pretty well when he's healthy. He got hurt pretty bad this year um but he definitely looks like their uh future four man and then they got wendell carter jr playing center uh, he might be a little small for center 
but um, I think that's probably going to be their best starting lineup. They also have uh, Cristiano Felicio, one of the worst contracts in the league for a player who's making under $10 million. They gave him four years, making $8 million each year, shortly after the 2017 season. Who is that? He, well, I'm going to have to look him up because I don't know where he went to college, Cristiano Felicio. He has one of the most awkward bodies you'll ever see. As very bad posture. Um, okay, so he uh, didn't even go to college. He went to uh, CCSE Prep Academy, Sacramento, California. And then played in um, Brazil for a while. He's actually Brazilian. And the Bulls picked him up in 2015. He's the Bulls' longest tenured player at this point. But uh, the most he ever averaged was 5.6 points per game. Didn't start any games last year. Played 60. Only averaged 4 points. Uh, it's a really bad contract, and we probably shouldn't be talking about him this much. Um, they also have Denzel Valentine. I don't know if you remember him. He was actually injured this whole season, so I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him somewhere. Chandler Hutchinson was a high draft pick as well. Played solid. Um, probably going to be a bench player at this point, though. Antonio Blakely, Shaquille Harrison... So they got a you know, decent young core here. Um, not really too much bad money on the books except for Felicio. And I don't think there's too many years left in that deal. So if they want to move that, they shouldn't have uh, too much, too much trouble. I don't think they're going to really bring any of the guys from last year back. Uh, Ryan Arcidiacono. Arcidiacono. I was way off. Um, they might bring him back. He he was decent. Um, but I don't know. There's kind of a, a glut at the point guard area now. All right, moving on to the next pick. Number eight was Jackson Hayes for New Orleans. We talked about the Pelicans already and what they're going to do with Hayes. So we'll move to number nine, Washington Wizards. Selected Rui Greeny, how do you pronounce the last name? Hachimura. Hachimura. This was a reach from what I heard. As far as productivity, I would say no. Ooh. I think this is a pretty solid pick. The one thing I would dispute, based on what I heard in pre-draft analysis from some of the so-called experts, is that they think he might play the three. I think he's going to play more four definitely has the athleticism to do that. I didn't get to see him on the wing too much at Gonzaga. Like I said, a very productive player. But somebody that played mostly inside. Maybe he could expand his game out to the wing eventually, but I would say early in his career, he's probably going to be more of a four-man. Mm. Okay. Well, let's look at the Wizards' starting lineup right now. There's still a Bradley Beal. Wall will come back next year. From what I hear, they declined Jabari Parker's option. T 
team option. It was for $20 million, but the rumor is that they might bring him back on a cheaper contract. They have Jan Mahimi on a $15 million contract, one of the terrible contracts that was signed in 2016. Uh, this is luckily the last year for them having to pay this guy at 32 years old. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I was talking to you about what team looks the most bleak. You know, I mean, people say the Phoenix Suns may look bad. Cavaliers. I may argue that's the Wizards just because they really don't have that that good young player right now. The last few drafts, they really haven't gotten anyone from the first round that's stuck. They traded Otto Porter Jr. last year. They traded Oubre. They don't really have any other young guys on their roster. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. is on their team. So, Thomas Bryan as well. He's a restricted free agent. I think they should bring back him. He played pretty well. But, uh, things look bleak in Washington. I hate to say it. And I know your guy, John Wall, is the star of that team. But I wouldn't lose faith in him. I think he'll come back. Probably not this year, though. I think he's got to prove himself in the next couple of years that he's really worth that contract. But the history is bad with guards getting injured. I hope that's not the case, though, Greeny. So we'll move on to the next pick. Number 10 was Cam Reddish to the Hawks. We talked about him already, so we'll go to... The number 11th pick, this was rumored to be an extreme reach by the Phoenix Suns. Cameron Johnson, shooting guard from North Carolina, was selected. Kobe White's teammate from college. Was this really an extreme reach, Greeny? I would say so. He had a ton of productivity at North Carolina, and he's an older player. He's a guy that was in college for five years his first three at Pittsburgh, and then transferred as a graduate transfer over to North Carolina for his final two years. So he's a smart guy if he graduated from Pitt in three years mm -hmm. and then really got an opportunity to shine at North Carolina these past two years offensively. And I remember the expert analysis early in the draft had pegged Darius Garland as the best shooter in the draft. And then a couple picks later, the experts were saying, no, Cam Johnson is the best shooter in the draft. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But I think he was probably more likely to go late in the first round. And this is probably another bench player. Who knows what his future could be. But like I mentioned, he is an older player. And I know the NBA doesn't look too fondly on that in the draft. But I'd also heard there was some sort of connection between him and one of the decision makers in Phoenix, as it were. So that likely had a lot to do with this pick. Once again, a productive player, a nice piece, but probably not an all-star ever. And maybe a rotation guy right off the bat, and we'll see what can happen with him after that. Maybe a 3 and D type of guy. Okay. Yeah, I feel like, didn't the uh, Suns select a point guard in this draft as well? I'm not seeing it on here. 
They might not have. Because they really need a point guard. They, they haven't had a point guard in a while. They do have Tyler Johnson on their contract for one more year. I guess he could play the point for them. But, uh, yeah, other than that, they have Booker, the star of the team. They have Aiton going into his second year. Had an okay rookie season. They acquired Dario Saric from the Timberwolves, so I'm sure he will be their starter at the four, if I had to guess. Maybe even the three. Oh, Ty Jerome. That's who they got in the second round. Do, do you see him getting any minutes? I would say with what you've mentioned as far as the roster goes that he will definitely get minutes. He may even start, depending on what they do in free agency. But yeah, Ty Jerome was a very solid college basketball player. I also heard from the experts that at the draft combine, he had the worst vertical leap of any guard Yikes. in this draft. Oh boy. So he's not going to blow you away with his athleticism, but he can really shoot it. He's smart, tough. Plays well in the pick and roll. That's what they did at Virginia. Once again, a guy that you get late first round, it's tough to necessarily slot him in as your starting point guard in the NBA these days. Which is kind of what they did with DeAnthony Melton last year. He was picked 46 in the draft. They didn't have a point guard for the first half of the season, really. They were slotting Booker there at times. He ended up starting 30, or uh, Melton ended up starting 31 games for them. He was one of the folks that got paid by assistant coaches in the NCAA. Uh, money funneled from an agency that has since been convicted in court by the FBI and, you know, federal court. So he was somebody who was definitely part of that scandal and probably the main reason that he left USC early and entered last year's draft. He would have been better off keeping Tyler Ulis over either of those guys. I have to chime in with that. I don't know why they got rid of Ulis. I don't understand that one. Where did he end up, actually? I believe he played one game for the Chicago Bulls this year. Let's see if you're right. He played one game, and he also played one minute. And that's it. Sad story. So, hopefully, Hewless will be back in the league. He is uh, a decent player. Definitely good enough to play. So we'll go to the number 12th pick now. I think you like this one. You got P.J. Washington, sophomore out of Kentucky. I don't know if he's going to start right away. I think he should. I think they should have him start. But, you know, let me tell you who they have on their roster. Marvin Williams is still on the roster, and they also have Nicholas Batum making a ton of money. Uh, and Michael Kid Gilchrist is there. It looks like he's been coming off the bench, though. So, what what can uh, the Hornets expect from Washington? And do you predict that he will be a starter by the end of this year? I would say that, like you said, he should start by the end of this year. It sounds like Marvin Williams is his biggest competition, and Marvin Williams is likely on the way out. Yeah, um, one more year at $15 million. P.J. Washington was kind of a late riser in this draft because of the terrific sophomore season he had at Kentucky. Made the best decision of his life in coming back. He 
pulled out of last year's draft on the last possible day, projected around 40 in last year's draft. And much of this season, he was projected as a second-round pick. And then February and March came along. Had a little bit of an injury in March Madness, but came back and actually scored 30 points in his final game at Kentucky, a game which they lost to Auburn in the Elite Eight in overtime. But he really showed his mettle in that game and proved to folks that he deserved to be moving up draft boards. Even at that point, he was projected in the 20s, and I guess his pre-draft workouts plus the combine allowed him to get back up into the lottery where he was projected early in his freshman season before anybody really saw him play. That's about where he was rated coming out of high school. Not quite a top 10 player, but definitely top 15 or 20. So he made himself a ton of money by coming back and spending that sophomore season at Kentucky. I would call him kind of a prototypical NBA four at this point. A lot of versatility, can shoot it, can pass, can rebound. Very tough, and that's going to be his best quality, I think, early in his NBA career. He could potentially project as a three someday, but he could also put on some weight and play more four and really bang with people down low in the NBA. Nobody's going to push this guy around at the four spot. He's only 6'8" but he's capable of guarding bigger players. And he can step out and shoot it now. That's something he couldn't do after his freshman season. He only made five threes his freshman year. I believe he shot 42% from three-point range this year, and it was a pretty good sample size. It was more than two a game. You know, he'd make one or two a game in two or three attempts. But yeah, 15 points, seven rebounds a game, over 50% from the field. Shot it well from three, and uh, yeah, he's unselfish player, can really pass it. And, yeah, I would say by the end of the year he could be starting, maybe even earlier. Yeah, the, the, I'm looking at this roster now. It's abysmal. Dave, this guy really should be a starter if he's picked in the lottery, but it sounds like it'd be kind of pushing it to move him to the three. I'm trying to think, you know. Maybe put him at the three, keep Marvin Williams at the four. They also have Miles Bridges, who's a forward, who I think should start as well. Can't forget they have Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk could play a little bit of point, right? Maybe? Maybe. I mean, he's point guard size, and you would hope he would develop that skill, that ball handling and passing skill. I still think of him as a pure scorer. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's tough to be a 6'3 NBA shooting guard anymore. Yeah, so he's going to have true. to develop that if he wants to continue to grow in the NBA. Mm. Yeah, the the one contract I just think they need to get out is Nicholas Batum. He's making $25 million this year. And then uh, another, uh, I think it's actually $26 million next year. They need to trade that. I actually... I was looking at contracts that teams could get rid of and trade for the J.R. Smith contract I was talking about. I think maybe the Cavs could trade J.R. Smith to the Hornets, take on Batum's money if Charlotte attaches a draft pick to that and get out of that, that money. It's, whew, that's just a bad contract. Miles Bridges definitely has big-time potential, too. So that would be a shame if somebody like Batum was standing in the way of 
the three and four combination yeah. of Bridges and Washington. I like the sounds of that for the future. Yeah, yeah, they, these guys should be starting. There's no point in playing the veterans. They didn't make the playoffs the last couple seasons, so it's time to get young, guys. So, ooh, Hornets, you have some shuffling to do with that roster. Good God. Let's move to the next pick. Number 13, two Kentucky picks in a row. We have freshman Tyler Harrow, shooting guard. Miami Heat picked him. Man, I wanted my Celtics to get him, but one pick away. Now, let's look at Miami's roster. I highly doubt that he's going to be able to start for the Heat just because they, they got so many people. The Heat are pretty similar to Charlotte in that they have a lot of bad contracts. They overpaid a lot of their players a couple years ago after a good um, run where they nearly made the playoffs. It was actually pretty incredible. Um, Drogic is still on the roster. He plays the point. Uh, Justice Winslow, sometimes they'll play him at the two. He can play the two, three, or four. They still have James Johnson. So uh, do you project Tyler Harrow to be more of a six-man in his career, or do you see a, a potential starter someday, maybe a J.J. Redick type? As partial as I am to my Kentucky guys, oftentimes, this is one I'm a little bit skeptical about, and I'm very grateful that you wanted him for your Boston Celtics, and I, of course, selfishly wanted him back on my Kentucky Wildcats last year. But once you started seeing the projections for where he could go in this draft, you can't blame him for leaving. I think other drafts, he probably goes much lower. And as far as the six-man question, I think that that's something he should hope for early in his career. Obviously, you got to be more ambitious than that, especially where he was picked. But, yeah, like I said to you, I brought up the J.J. Redick type of thing. That's the guy he needs to watch tape of because this guy can be a knockdown shooter, and that needs to be the first thing he is in the NBA. He's got maybe a little bit more athleticism than Redick ever had. Probably not as good a shooter. Not many are. But he needs to look at how J.J. Redick gets open, gets his feet set, and gets off machine-like jump shots time after time after time. Because Hero came in with the reputation as a great shooter. And he was okay. I mean, I think he shot about 36% from the college three. So... You know, you hear great shooter, you're thinking 40% or better most of the time. And it wasn't that most of the season. Later in the year, he got hotter, and they featured him a little bit more. But his defense is very suspect, even at the college level right now. And I think it's going to be tough to have him on the floor for long stretches in the NBA early in his career, particularly the rookie season, because of his defense. And... I think that's really going to have to develop. But like I said, I think he's a little bit better of an athlete than J.J. Redick was at the same stage. And somehow J.J. Redick has managed to become a starter for years in the NBA in spite of maybe some of his defensive deficiencies. So we'll see if that can work out for Hero as well. But yeah, his calling card needs to be knocked down three-point shooter early in his career. Like you should see this guy in a three-point shooting contest in a couple of years. Maybe that's all you see him in, 
in an all-star weekend. But as far as I know, Miami has played a lot of guys. You mentioned that roster. They have a lot of productive type of players, a lot of veterans that can get minutes and contribute to the team. So hopefully he fits in. Obviously not a six-man first year, but hopefully he can build himself up to a rotation guy by a second year, I would say. Yeah, the, there's just so many people on this team who could be potential starters. I mean, I didn't even mention they have Kelly Olynyk as well. They have Bam Adebayo. They just have so many guys who could start, um, could easily play 10 people a game. This is one of those rosters. It's, it's, it's deep, but there's no star player. Exactly. Maybe Dragic is considered the star, but he's getting up there. He's actually 33 now. I didn't even realize he was that old. Which is crazy to think about. Um, we're all getting old. 